Hey, Heidi. Hey, Julie. How are you? I can't contain my excitement. Oh, so we have not talked. So <laughs> I, I am I'm hearing it for the first time. What is it? I was going to text you and then I said, nope, I'm going to save it for the podcast. Yeah, do it on live. <laughs> yes. So over the weekend was the Kentucky Derby. Yes. And for those who don't know, it's a, you know, it's the first of a three series horse racing uh, that's been going on for 148 years. Um, and it was a really exciting one. Yes. And? And I won. <laughs> <laughs> so you placed a bet and you took, mm-hmm. and you took the, you took the total underdog. Uh-huh. And it, here's, it paid and off. It, and it, it paid off. Yeah. I oh mean, it, it wasn't enough. That's hysterical. When we watched it, I was like, oh, I wish I would have bet because I probably would have bet on the worst one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, so it was such a weird thing that happened. So I typically do bet. Like every year we bet a little bit, right? We just, you know, come, and, and the Kentucky Derby is such a big field. It's, you know, 20 horses or more sometimes. And so it's a lot. And so it's like they make a lot of money because people are just like, I don't know. I'm going to go with the favorites, but I'm going to have combinations. And so a lot of betting. So, so about two hours before... Like we always do this last minute, first of all. So two hours before, I was like, I'm not betting. I looked at the horses and my brother texted me. He's like, are you going to do anything? And I'm like, no. And I bet every year. And I'm like, no, no, not going to do. No, no, no. And so then like I started looking at the names. And then I was like, oh, so many horses. And I, I usually like when we get to like the Belmont, which is the last one in the series, right? It's the Preakness and the Belmont. I'm pretty, I do research, like, <laughs> and again, no expectation I'm really going to win or, or I understand what the half the crap I'm reading, but I'm like, no, I'm in it. I'm going to, there's a reason I'm going to pick these horses. No. So I looked at the list of horses and my brother had like, again, texted me like, here's the ones I like. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then I look at the list and I find one of the very, I find Rich Strike. And it, it stands out to me because that was my brother's name, Rich. Right. Yeah. And I look over at the horse's number. And it's 21. Well, that's my brother's birthday, Rich. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. So I was like, I got to bet. I got to bet on this horse. I have goose. Now I have goosebumps. <laughs> yeah. So I text my brother like a screenshot of the name with the number. And I'm like, this is my horse. And he's like, okay, put it in for me too. So we didn't really talk about what kind of bet he wanted. So I just put like his in a certain box bet and called it an exacta box, whatever. And I didn't know what to do with it. He, he doesn't really bet that way, but I was like, we didn't talk about it. So I just did it for him and I put the horse in there. But um, I also did another one where I put Rich Strike in with the, with the favorite, which was an uh, epicenter. I think it was number three and a third choice. And, and I, and I placed a couple other smaller bets. So then we're, um, we had some friends over and we were watching, uh, the, the, the race and lo and behold, that horse won. And I get up and I'm screaming as if I had won the real pot, which is like, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars, which I did not win or else I would be <laughs> not talking to you. I'd be on vacation already somewhere, <laughs> but, uh, but it was good. I mean, it was a good, good, good amount, good win, whatever. I'm very, I mean, I've never won that much horse betting ever. I've never won that much on betting period. Right. Oh, how but exciting. It, it really was. And I can see how the like, oh yeah, just, you know, like this is what happens when it happens, you know? And yeah. it's like, oh, that's good. <laughs> So I felt bad and I told um, – I ended up telling my brother like about his bet and I just said, look, I'm going to give you a portion of my winnings because it's for our brother who's no longer with us. Um, and now we're just waiting to see if the horse will show up in the next two races. And like I ended up telling my cousins about it 
And I was like, look at the dog. If the horse shows up in the next race, like we're all betting, like just because, you know, yeah. it's yeah. a personal thing. But isn't that strange? Isn't it crazy? That, that's so crazy. Well, first of all, it's really cool. Like stories like that always give me goosebumps because I completely believe that there's a connection there. Oh, totally. And yeah. Totally. So that's really exciting. And then so exciting. And the race was really exciting. Oh, we so amazing. Yeah. We always watch them. We're into it. This year, we didn't um, because well, my husband was recovering, whatever. Right. We just, and it was like a cold, rainy day. We just didn't, we didn't watch it. Um, and my mom called me right after it and was like, oh my God, did you watch it? Because my mom and my aunt, you know, they grew up with horses. My grandfather was a jockey. Oh, wow. Um, so they're really into it. So I was like, no, we didn't watch why. And she was like, go watch it right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we did. And it was, so the first time we watched it, I was like, oh, okay. You know, like I didn't, isn't as amazing until you really watch it in like an aerial view mm -hmm. and you and realize like, from behind yeah, like this all horse, the way all the way like it is amazing that they won yeah, yeah. it was really like it, it was, was thrilling. very impressive it was thrilling yeah. it was really yeah. cool when um, the announcer like you know because you're right when they're doing a close-up they're paying you know the announcer's going which i love that he's like yeah. rah, 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 and he's going in and going and going and all of a sudden he says and rich strike is taking the league I yeah, jump out of my seat <laughs> and I'm just like, yes. Oh my God. You know, yeah. and, and like my son is there. Out and he's of nowhere. Me, like, yeah, yeah. Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Yeah. I got goosebumps again too. Totally. Yeah. And when, you're, when we watched it the first time, I was like, oh, well, maybe he was in like fourth or fifth. Like, he, no, he was in like 10th. He yeah, was way he was, behind. No, more like he was the third or fourth from the back. So he, he was, was more like 18, 17. It was unbelievable. When you watch that aerial footage, you're like, wait a minute. He yeah. came from nowhere. And you um, see the if you like you watch when they show that video of the aerial and they show how he maneuvered, ooh, that was some impressive writing. It like, really was, was. It really, really was. Cool. Yep. And and one horse moves out of the way, like just in the perp. You get you get a little nervous because you're like, get out of his way. And then that yes. horse moves over to the right, and you're like, yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Totally crazy. And I've definitely bet on. Like I had a couple other bets where it was like the middle of the pack people, and you know Keith doesn't like he just opens up the account and lets me play. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, okay, <laughs> like I have fun. I'm in it. Like I, I'm this is my competitive side, but uh. Yeah, I, I still can't believe it. Like, we, we were just all night. We're like, holy cow. Like, I won. Like, we, what? You know, like, yeah. how does that even? Yeah. Yeah. It was really, it was an exciting race. We we only bet, like, in the house for bragging rights. You know, like, we all yeah. pick who we think is going to win. And then, um, yeah. but one day we would really like to go do at least one of the journeys. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah. now we're going. We're going to the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> Or do it in Vegas because oh. Norman and I want to go do it in Vegas because then you can bet on like everything. Like not only yeah. the horse, like you can bet on the right. how many companies are going to wear yeah. red and, you know, how, yeah. is there going to be rain or it just you can bet on absolutely every well, single yes. thing, you know, how, who's going to be wearing a pink hat, like everything. So you, you remember that political analyst guy who became really, I don't know if you do remember him, but the, there is that political analyst guy, Steve Kornacki, whatever his name is, on uh, MSNBC. He was really popular during the um, election. Okay. And he kept going to the board. You know, every every like cable news channel has like, like, let's go to the board and look at all the analytics. And so he, he does it for everything now. And so he got up and he did one for um, 
for the race. And mm-hmm. he starts going through exactly those kinds of things. Like what are the statistics on the colors, the numbers, the, the position on of where the horse comes out. Right. But one thing he said that stuck in my brain, and I don't remember exactly the percentage, I'm sure I could find it. But basically he was like the, the horse that traditionally has been in third at some point, I guess towards the end of the race, I don't really remember exactly how he worded it is the one that ends up winning. And I was like, Huh. It was like a high percentage where this has occurred. So when I saw a horse move into third, I was like, huh. But it didn't, I didn't know it was Rich Strike and as I'm watching, and I was like, oh, and then all of a sudden that's the one that that's zipped the up. One. Yeah. No, and again, I hadn't seen him move up before until I watched the replays. But in my mind, I was like, one, two, who's the third? And then I was like, what's this third one? And it was like, <laughs> and it just kept moving. And I was like, wow. And even more impressive that he wasn't always in third. Because I no. can see that statistic for the like if the race is run, because many years, you know. First, second, and third are first, second, and third the whole race. And one yeah. of those three win. And you can almost see how it would be the one who is in third for most of the race because one and two are like killing themselves to stay yeah. in, you know, in the front. Third is reserved a little bit and has that extra push for the end. Yeah. Um, but this was like, he was yep. he was in third for a half a second. Yeah. <laughs> no, totally. Yeah. yeah, it was fun. I mean, now I'm just like, you know, now like I'm trying to contain myself. Like I don't have some, you know, <laughs> winner's luck, like whatever. It just, it was a long shot. It paid off, whatever. But That's like. so exciting. That is, yeah. I would have lost my mind had that, been, yeah. you know, like I, I would have opened the show with, I, I would introduce myself to people. I'd be like. <laughs> I, I'm the Kentucky Derby winner. I'm the Kentucky Derby winner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of whatever number that didn't think. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, what was interesting it was like the shot. You know, the the odds had gone down a little bit. Like in the beginning of the day, it was like when I first looked at like maybe actually not even beginning of the day. I don't know how long it was. It was like ninety nine to one, and then it dropped down to eighty to one at the time of the race. But but I heard the heard the story that he was not even supposed to be in the race, and he came in that week, and like just like one thing, little thing after another. You're just like this horse was not supposed to be there. And I yeah. think came in because of a scratch and then look what happened. And, yep. and, the, and he was the highest, uh, you know, it's just so, yeah, yeah. fascinating. Very yeah. exciting. It'll be a story we'll tell our great grandchildren. Absolutely. <laughs> At one <Yeah>. time. <laughs> yeah. Totally fun. Oh, that's fun. Very yeah. exciting. Yeah. So of course, like my kids are like, what, well, you know, what portion of it is mine? I'm like, mm, nothing. Not, nothing. I'm paying for college. Goodbye. <laughs> this is, mommy needs like, it just, I don't even care how much money it was. It was just. The fact that I won, that was it. Yeah. Oh, no, really exciting. Yeah. 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 I know. I feel like I I don't have good, like when we go to, you know, any sort of raffle or tricky tray or any of those betting kind of things. Yeah. I never win. Never. I just don't. I have, I have good luck in other places. Yeah. Not so much in the, the betting yeah, I had that streak for a while, like when the kids were young, where I had like random wins of like Xbox. I won a, like a watch for my husband, like I like an Apple Watch. <laughs> like there was a weird time where I kept I won some package for a party. Like I don't know, I won like I would say within like a three year period, I had won like four or five times, like big items like things that were like oh actually yeah we could use an xbox you know like yeah. instead of buying our own or yeah my husband did want to watch you know <laughs> so like it kind of worked out and then i was like right same thing after that it was like a dry spell until just yesterday you know, until this weekend <laughs> well that was a good one to wait for yeah for seriously sure. well that was big news that was exciting yeah, yeah. No, i think we just end the podcast right here and just let you know it that was the high point 
I mean, you did not bury the lead. No, no, came right out of the gate. You came right. Oh, look what you did there. It was good. <laughs> yes, I didn't wait until the end to bring it out. No. Nope. Yeah, no. So that just made my Mother's Day great. Like it was just great. Like I just, you know, yeah, had a good weekend after that. It was like nothing can go wrong. No, nope. that was good. And happy Mother's Day. Oh, yes. Happy Wednesday. Yeah. yeah, I was like, I can't text Heidi because I will tell her. So she's not going to say anything. <laughs> totally. Totally. <laughs> not, like, my well, Mother's Day was not that exciting. Not uh, that exciting. It was pretty low key. My youngest son did bring me a bagel for breakfast. He did not actually say Happy Mother's Day at any point of the day. So I'm guessing that my bagel was my. Mother's Day acknowledgement. Yeah. But it was a really good bagel. It was everything with veggie cream cheese. Well, there you go. Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. And my older son did call. Oh. Um, and he did. I got it today. It didn't come in time. So I got it. Today's Monday. Uh, he sent me a, so you know I'm into crystals because, you know, I love a crystal. He sent me a crystal, but it's in the shape of a cat. So Ooh. he hit a home run. I was like, it is majestic. Yeah. So he's the uh, he's the favorite son for the day. No, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, my kids didn't say it either. Uh-huh. Happy Mother's Day until we were up in Vermont. So we got we drove home on Sunday morning. So he they didn't say it until like three or four o'clock in the afternoon. And I think it was Keith's prompting. <laughs> You know, like they knew the day had, a, you know, they knew it was yeah. Mother's Day, but they never didn't, they just didn't say anything. And then they smothered me and it was great, nice, lovely, whatever. But um, yeah, I think it's the know. age, that like 18 year old. They're still kind of, mm-hmm. they're too cool for school, you know, yeah. it's not, they don't, they don't want to marry you like they did when they were little. No. And they don't really like my older son, who's 26, like, you know, we've done enough for him now where he, you know, I mean, I think when they get a little older, they're like, oh, I actually do appreciate you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But 18, right. they're kind of like, eh. <laughs> well, well, Keith got me a gift that I um, absolutely love. Um, all right. I'm going to forget the name of the company that we got her from. Um, I'm going to Google it while we're on the, while we're talking, but basically it's a mug. It's a ceramic mug. Okay. I love a good mug. Yeah. And it is, it's, <laughs> um, it says, the word fuck but spelt out really longly so it's f u and then it's like a thousand u's and it wraps around the mug and then ck at the other side <laughs> so incognito like, uh, yes so you wouldn't necessarily know until you turn the whole mug gotcha um gotcha stealth yeah Stealthy. yeah yeah it, it's from a um actually it's from a, a place in vermont i will find it while we're talking but um we'll come back to it i'll okay. note it but yeah i was like i had you know, i i i get their email catalog thingy, whatever. And I sent it to him like, this is a cute mug. And he ended he got up, it for you. he purchased it. And like, you good looking out. I was like, wow, <laughs> that doesn't happen very often. <laughs> what else can I send you that you'll just go ahead and buy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, I went plant shopping for myself, which is what I do every year. I'm like, for Norm, I'm like, please don't get me anything. Uh, I yeah. just want to go. All the plant sales are usually starting on Mother's Day. Yes. I always have a long list of things that I want. So um, I just go to the store and buy plants. Happy Mother's Day to me. Yay. Yeah, no, I haven't done that yet because it's too soon. 
Um, so I think I'm going to try this weekend. All right. I found the name of the store. It's called Common Deer, like in the in the animal, D-E-E-R, but it's one okay. word. It's um, it's a it's a Burlington, Vermont based shop. It's got credible, great little fun stuff. Like if you're ever looking for a gift for someone and you're just kind of like, I don't want the typical stuff. This is the place to go. Okay. And they have um, an online shop. They do. Not everything can be shipped or, or sold, whatever. Some stuff is like you have to pick it up in the, in the I'm like, who's coming to Vermont to pick this up? <laughs> Figure out how to way to ship it. Um, but I, I just love their stuff. They feature artisans and like, it's just good. It's, the store is adorable. But their online store is great. I often go there when I'm stuck of like, hey, I want to get somebody something different. Um, yeah. Which yeah. those are the best gifts, honestly, because you never really know what someone, once you're an adult, you, you, yeah. know, you don't know what people need. No, no. And exactly. buying something that's a little different, um, but a good mug, a good pottery mug. Like, oh, and it's like it, long. Yeah. It's be- it's great. It fits yeah. a lot of coffee. Yeah. Yeah. And if it fits in your hand, like I have a favorite mug and- Anything I drink tastes better in that month. Yeah. It just yeah. does. Yeah. 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 I'm excited. I have to tell Keith not to put it in the dishwasher. I just realized. Because <laughs> he was just loading the dishwasher. I'm like, don't put. I, uh, I also went shopping this weekend. Nice. I didn't get anything. Uh, <laughs> so well, plants. I went Sunday. Oh, okay. Sunday. I bought plants. But mm-hmm. I went. Clothes shopping, Ugh. which is awful. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to replace my garden pants that sadly don't button at the moment. Mm. But I need, because I'm usually, when I work outside in the yard, now I'm just wearing leggings, which are super comfy and easy for like, you know, all the squatting and bending. And so that's good. Um, but sometimes you're doing something that's a little dirtier or, you know, laying in tall grass and you don't want to get bit by ticks. So you need something that's a little heavier. So here's what I'm listen- looking for, and it no longer exists. I'm looking for carpenter jeans mm-hmm. that are the denim of like the 90s, where, mm-hmm. you know, the denim of the 90s was, it had come a long way from the de- denim of the 70s and 80s, which was that thick, like Levi's, yes. you know, it heavy. Took, yes. heavy, it took years to break in you know, yes. was- and to dry. <laughs> Just no fun. Don't want that. But it was before everything was like super thin and stretch. Yeah. Right. There was like a period of time where denim was thinner, but not, but also durable. Mm -hmm. That denim does not exist anymore. Carpenter jeans do exist, but they are all like fashion forward, high waisted. I think the high-waisted, I I can, okay, so remember when everything was super low-waisted, like everything was low-rise? Yeah. Didn't, didn't really like that. No. Now everything is super high-waisted, but for those of us who's, so I have no torso. My hip bones and my ribs are like pretty much touching. Like mm-hmm. I don't have, so high-waisted jeans, they don't work for me. Literally, I have to like lift up my boobs to... I don't think them. Yeah, I don't think they're attractive. And, and I don't think they help a woman either in no. any way, shape, or form. I think no, they just accentuate not. certain spots that you don't want to be accentuated. Yes. Even when I see them on, you know, teenagers or women in their 20s who... I don't like it looks. Yeah, I don't like Right. It. Like, who literally everything looks fantastic on. Mm-hmm. When I see them, and it's a big trend now. They're all wearing the high-waisted jeans. Yeah. I'm like, 
I don't think that that. Those I, are the mom jeans, right? The SNL made the whole joke yes, about. Yeah. Yes. So it's like no. everywhere. You cannot get yeah. a pair of jeans in a store that are not that I have to untuck my boobs from. I just can't. Yeah. So I did go shopping, mm-hmm. but got nothing. Yeah. So if anyone knows of a place to get like just utility carpet jeans, I even tried um, like Duluth Trading. I thought maybe yeah. it would have it. Yeah, no. Couldn't find anything that I thought would work. Yeah. So, anyway, that was my saga. No, I, I agree with you about the way the denim is made today is not. It has that. There's a, a name of the chemical that's in it to make it elastic that, that actually degrades your pants. Yeah. So they they say, like, I, I just realized this. So I have a couple of, like, jeggings, right, whatever, mm-hmm. jean leggings, right? And the they get thin and thin after a couple of washes. Yeah. And it's because it cannot stand high heat. And I don't put my clothes in high heat anyway, but even in medium heat, right, you know, whatever, moderate heat. So they say, like, try to put oh. it, wash them on cold and don't put them in the dryer. Oh. And yeah. they'll last longer. And, and they'll last like, longer. Oh, yeah. That yeah, makes a lot of sense. Jeans don't last very long now. Those, no. like, super soft, comfy jeans. And super thin. I mean, I don't yeah. know what happened. Yeah, I agree with you. Something definitely in the last, I would say, 10, because Keith would go through 10, 15 years. Keith would go through jeans like they were like yeah every couple of months and, and he'd always like he's like he would bend down a lot with the kids so like yeah. the knee worn holy you know nice jeans jeans that we thought would last yeah nope 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 so he just stopped he gave up his jeans he doesn't wear jeans anyway he wears other types of pants but yeah it's a, yeah it's a struggle that's fun that's frustrating it is so i'm on i'm on the hunt for those but it's my shopping uh shopping saga have you seen – all right, so there's a show I'm obsessed with. Mm-hmm. It's called Old Enough on Netflix. I, I heard of it. I don't really know much about it. I, I have it. Tell me. Okay. So I saw it a few times, like, uh, you know, in the preview. You know, yeah, the block. that's it. That's and all I was, I've seen. never really caught my eye. I was like, old enough. What is this? Then I heard somebody talking about it, so I checked it out. Oh, my God. I am addicted to this show. So it's – they're 10-minute little – shows just 10 minutes Mm -hmm. and apparently in japan there is a tradition of sending very young children out on their first errand like that's a it's the first show yes yes first yeah i did see it sorry yes Uh, (laughs) i am upset i didn't realize that was the name of it yeah Yeah. the little kid that goes on like like through tunnels and trains and buses or whatever he does to go get i don't know yes yeah and he's like four yeah, <laughs> three. I don't they're know. All from, they're two to five years old, and they're sent on their first errand. So parents send them off out yeah. into the real world, like not to the neighbor's house, like in like yes. a mile away into town. Yeah, to get interacting and navigating inter- lots of buying things at stores, doing you know, dropping crossing. things off at people's houses, like all yeah. kinds of crossing stuff. busy streets, crossing busy streets. The mom makes them a little yellow flag. And they just wave their little flag and all the store cars stop. Fascinating. I am totally. Fast. I cannot stop watching these. Can you imagine our kids doing that? I'm, no. I can't. I no. can't. <laughs> I'm like, they would have, I would have never seen them again. <laughs> and if I did, it's like they went downstairs and immediately gave the money to somebody else <laughs> and came back with nothing. That would be <laughs> the only way. Yes, I, I did see that. Yes, amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. These just these little bodies going off into the world. Culturally, it's a fascinating thing to teach. And I think it's like 
you know, we wait, not that we wait so long, but like in, in, in America, I feel like, you know, like I was just on the phone with my kid's school, his college, whatever. And they were talking about like, okay, you're going to be on your own. You're going to do your own laundry. And, and I'm like, no, my kids know how to do that. But like more recently. Yeah. Can you imagine what they're doing in Japan? They probably already washed their clothes at five. Yeah. They know how to cook well, the, a meal. <laughs> there is something I think there's value in this um, idea of, you know, making them feel accomplished and you yeah. know independent and that but they contributing can in a way yeah. too right to the family yeah yeah uh i think it's really a neat concept and capable that they're capable you know they feel yes. capable like you are capable of doing these things which i think is probably a really good thing yes. also you know japan is also set up this has been a tradition for many many years i mean that show has been on since like i, I want to say the early 90s is when I when it started, but this tradition has been happening for many, many, many years. Mm -hmm. So the culture is sort of set up um, in a way that yeah. it's you know not here. You know when people see a two year old walking with their little backpack and groceries and a flag in Japan, everyone knows what's happening. Like oh, yeah. this is this child's first errand, right? Yep. And they kind of watch out for them and they know what's going on. I mean, if I sent my two year old. To Dunkin' Donuts to grab me a coffee, uh, the cops would escort him back and probably <laughs> arrest me. Like we are not set up for this. Um, yeah, but I, the show yeah. is so cute. Yeah, it was so it, cute. it's amazing. I, I I agree with you. I yeah, I did see that. I forgot that that's what it was called. But yes, when yeah, you described it. Oh, love it. Yeah, I um I started watching Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart. Okay, you know who she is, right? Brene? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she has a an HBO Max show called atlas of the heart and it's all about emotions okay so basically over a series of episodes she talks about and i'm only in the second episode but the first it, she sets up the whole thing and she basically says we're going to talk about all of these emotions and we're going to decipher the differences between some of the more common ones but also i think you're, she's like i think you walk away with like 30 named emotions even though there's way more than that but so like she talks about things like stress, being stressed and overwhelmed and what the difference is. Mm -hmm. And she uses like movie and TV clips. And then she has an audience and she pulls them and asks them questions. And she does it because she believes that it's the, it's, it's the way or the path to um, having more empathy, but also connecting with yourself and other people. Okay. So she's like, because oftentimes like in the heat of an emotion, we, ha we lack the language to say, this is what I'm feeling, right? You struggle right. to say, I'm angry, but I'm really not angry. There's like fear and all these other things behind it that I'm just using anger as the first thing because it's the only thing I can think of in that moment. And so her her kind of goal is partly to break some of that down to give us better tools to better identify and better associate what we're actually feeling. Okay. Um, it's quite interesting. I, 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 she, you know, she talks about how, um, like in the first episode, she was at the very end of it. It was about like, how do we get here? How do we move forward? And how do we get to a place where we can have that empathy? Because the reality is she goes, she's like, I'm a white woman, well-educated, blah, blah, blah. Like I know I, my privilege and all these other things get in the way of me understanding someone who's African-American, black, Hispanic, because I don't, that's not my experience. Yeah. And to pretend that I can understand is actually more painful to those people who are experiencing those things. And she said, so the best thing that ultimately we can do is just listen and believe them. 
Right. Interesting. Beautiful. Because she's yeah. Because she said oftentimes what happens is we're good at we can we can get good at listening, but we walk away not believing them to say that can't that that's not possible. That's what you're experiencing. Right. Because you put it in your lens to say I don't experience that, or okay. I haven't seen that. And so she's like, what we have to get better at is saying. That's not my experience, but I believe you when you tell me that that's been your experience, that you've been discriminated against, you've been whatever, whatever right. experience it is that, that you can't relate to, it doesn't invalidate it. And I'm okay. like, oh. Yeah. And so needed, so needed in the world right yeah. now with so many, you know, polarizing opinions and things going on um, that really there is no, you know, we have to move forward in some way where we have a mutual understanding, even if there's not, even if I don't agree with you, I understand where you're coming from, or at least, right, accept that that is your reality, even if it yeah. is foreign to me, yeah. but at least believe you when you say that that's what you're experiencing. Huge, yeah. huge. huge. Yeah, I, I really like her. I used her. She has a great video, very short. It's like four minutes on YouTube if you, um, you know, search in YouTube for Brene Brown empathy video, oh, it will sorry. come up. And I showed it when I was working for the mental health organization. I uh, showed it in so many of my presentations because she sums up the difference between empathy and sympathy so well in this teeny little short video. You know, she has, um, but one of the things she does is she has someone's down in a cave and mm -hmm. it's like cold and wet and awful. Um, and the person who is showing sympathy comes to the side of the, the cave, you know, the, the hole. It's like a low down cave. Mm -hmm. So they look over the edge and say like, ooh, that looks tough. Like, oh, I'm so sorry you're down there. That looks tough. <laughs> yes. And the person with empathy climbs down into the cave with that person yeah. and like gives them a hug and is like experiences it with them. Yep. And uh, so when we were talking about you know, being sympathetic to someone who's living with a mental health concern, um, and the difference between being sympathetic and empathetic with them, um, yeah, you know, like allowing right. yeah. them to have their pain, acknowledging their pain, feeling their pain with them, that kind of stuff. So, yeah. uh, you know, I've used her, I, I've, I hope I don't owe her royalties because I've used her I videos <laughs> many, many times. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, 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 that's exactly what she does. She's, oh, you know, the, the first episode was all about what is this emotion? Yeah. And people guessing and her saying, well, here's the researcher example. And then she'll give definitions. I mean, it's definitely like a class. Yeah. And it's quite, it's quite fast. She's okay. I'm going to check that out. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. Really so far, good. it's really good. I'm on episode two, but I really like it as okay. usual from everything from her is really good. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I like her too. Um, yeah. I just finished a good book. What's it's that? called The Kitchen Front by Jennifer mm -hmm. Ryan. So it's set in World War II, England. And oh. it's, um, so the kitchen front, the premise is, you know, in that time there was, you know, rationing, a lot of rationing, ingredients were being uh, kept out of the country. So women at home on the, on the home front were, um, you know, kind of having to come up with all of these creative ways to feed their families. Mm -hmm. And I've always sort of romanticized that whole thing. Like I've, I know that in in the uh, in the actuality of it, it would not be very romantic to uh, feel like you didn't have enough food to fail your family. But I always imagine like I would forage and you know make things out of nothing. Anyway, so that's kind of so. There's there's this contest. Uh, there's a radio show called The Kitchen Front, 
and it's mm-hmm. to help women come up with creative ways to feed their families with the rations that they are given. And so there's a contest for someone who's going to be able to host that show. And oh. so these four women are in the contest and it's kind of their stories and how they are, um, they're all connected, of course, in some way and uh, just really interesting. But the part of the book that I find the most fascinating are the recipes and what they use and what they forage for and what they use to substitute for, you know, other things and how they made things work. It's just, it was, it's really fascinating. So I'm almost done with that. Um, nice. Yeah, but I really, it's a good one. So The Kitchen Front by uh, Jennifer Ryan. I think one. we've, we've, um, we've talked about the podcast Hidden Brain before, right? I don't think so. It's, um, do you know it though? Do you know? Okay. So hidden brain is, it's been a long running. I don't know who does it. I don't know if it's NPR or I'm not really sure, but, um, this guy Shankar Vedantam, he, um, hosts this show called hidden brain. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's one of those shows that I put on, like, it's the one of the shows that my kids will listen to in the car when we have drives, but they cover everything i mean there's not a topic they don't cover but it's always about this sort of like intersection between science and storytelling so he's always using data and science to sort of explain what goes on in our lives so he'll he'll do deep dives into like they were just doing this one on um mind reading and it's not really mind reading but like about conversations with people like and they do series about um I don't know. He'll always, he'll pick stories from like, from, from research that has happened that explains our emotions and, or just life stories. And they're from all over the world. Like it's not just about United States stuff, but um, we, we pick up, um, there's so many good episodes, but the one we, we just listened to, it was a, a kind of a rehash of a, of a series that he had done, I think about a year and a half ago called mind reading. And it was all about conversations and, kind of how we see each other and you know it was all he always like they always try to do episodes that sort of really pick apart sort of where where, where we are culturally mm-hmm. uh, as well so um this one I ended up putting on because this is a constant struggle in my family about how to communicate and yeah. and why conversations go wrong and so he interviews this woman Deborah Tan and it's a great episode basically she talks a lot about her research she's a linguist and a researcher and she figures out kind of she happens to do this in the United States, but she ha- her books are broader than than the U.S. But she talks a lot about how even people from different coasts of the United States, they talk so differently that you know, being able to understand each other, like how do we do that, right? Because like if you're from New York, like we are, like we're fast talkers. We're sometimes yeah. just kind of go 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 go. We don't even like give room for people to pause. Our pauses are always shorter than others. If you you know, and so she was kind of giving all these examples, and she would like tape her friends over a dinner party and then analyze the crap out of them <laughs> and figure out like, okay, I had friends from California who talked who could barely get a you know word in edgewise with all the New Yorkers. Why yeah. is that? And then when they did talk, they didn't like the rapid fire that the New Yorkers would come out with. But as a New Yorker, we don't see anything wrong with it. We're just that's what we're used to. Yeah. And so she kind of dissects all this stuff and he asks her tons of questions and they keep playing these clips. And she has written a bunch of books about mothers and daughters and fathers and sons and daughters and all this stuff about just how to have better conversations. And ultimately her advice was we need to pause more when we're having conversations and okay. just sort of make sure that what someone is saying to us, that one, we're listening, but two, yeah. that we're trying to understand in real time without just being waiting, you know, just waiting to talk kind of concept, right? Just wait and absorb and just say, 
you know, sometimes maybe just pause and be like, let me see if I understand what you're saying here, you know, or what I think I'm hearing is, you know, because sometimes, you know, we might like as New Yorkers, maybe more directness. Yeah. Whereas other people, even just from a different state, a different town, whatever, just might not. Right. So how do we get better at that? So it was, it was a short episode. It was like maybe about 45 minutes or so, but it was really, um, that sounds good. Really interesting. I can see that, um, that pause. I always think people who, when they answer a question, kind of take their time and looks like they're really thinking about what they want to say. You know, they kind of have this slower cadence. They always sound so much smarter to me, just like yeah. level-headed. And, you know, I'm thinking of like Alan Alda or Mr. Rogers or Barack Obama, who kind of all have this um, just slower, they do pause and, you know, just a slower cadence to their rhythm. Yeah. I usually find that sort of, um, I don't know, reassuring somehow or like that person just seems so in control to me that I listen better to them. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. No, I don't know that I, 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 I wish I sometimes I would slow down, you know, and, and right, rightfully so. I think I've gotten better this better. I can't, I can't clearly. Yeah. Um, can't speak right now. Um, I think in the workplace I've gotten better because you kind of are forced sometimes to slow down. And yeah. I remember at my last job, I would always, I, I dealt with a lot of people who were not from the United States um, so all different backgrounds. And I would remember that if I was talking or had to give a presentation, I would always caveat with, I'm a New Yorker. I speak fast. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to try to slow down, not because I don't think you understand it. I just want to make sure that like what I, you know, what I'm communicating comes across clearly enough. And that, you know, if you've got questions, you have an opportunity to ask me <laughs> and they would always laugh and they would say, thanks for doing that. You know, so I found yeah. different ways of kind of bringing it up. So I've also just learned to now drop that, you know, re, you know, not excuse, but just caveat and just sort of say to myself, all right, I just got to slow down, period. You know, not everybody yeah. operates at this speed and that's okay. Yeah. But, yeah. Although I, so in my last job, I did a ton of public speaking and I am, when I'm doing public speaking, I can speak very quickly. And I had to think about my audience because sometimes if I was doing a presentation for our board who were not young people, I really had to, to think about slowing down because they couldn't follow me. Yeah. But there was a presentation that I would do in high schools, a mental health and suicide prevention presentation, and it was meant to be a 52-minute presentation, and I had 36 minutes to do it. <laughs> and I was the girl for the job because I, yeah. I had it all in and time for questions. And the kids, you know, the 15-year-olds had no trouble understanding yeah, no. me like that yeah. piece was fine for them yeah. um so i always really enjoyed doing it for that group because i didn't have to slow down at all in fact i could speed up <laughs> yeah not great yeah well that's knowing your audience right like that's yeah. really sort of calibrating um code switching whatever they're calling it now like just yeah. to kind of make sure you're right it's, it's it's yeah you're doing it for the right audience in the right way yeah yeah, yeah. But yeah. uh, I prefer, because because we're New Yorkers, I prefer that fast pace oh, me too. Uh, of talking to, you know. Yeah. It, it was definitely uh, more fun to do the fast paced presentation. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> so anything else you're watching, doing, seeing? Mm, what are we doing? Uh, no, we've had a busy week. So my husband had his surgery. Mm. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you how 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 is he feeling now? He's doing really well. 
So the surgery went really well. Everything that they wanted to accomplish, they accomplished. Oh, good. Um, he had it done at the hospital for special surgery down mm-hmm. in New York City. If you are anywhere on the East Coast and you need like that kind of or like a spinal surgery or any sort of replacement, orthopedic stuff, go to the hospital for special surgery. Mm. It is unbelievable. From the moment we walked in the door, everything was just taken care of. There was never a moment where you didn't know what was happening, what was happening next, who was going to do that, what time it was going to happen. Even when they took him into surgery, I got text updates. Like Norman is now in the operating room. Norman is now under anesthesia. Like, wow. It is unbelievable. He's like, um, Norman just had a bowel movement under everything. <laughs> <laughs> it is unbelievable. That I didn't mean, happen. I'm just yeah, no. But um, <laughs> but really, it is. That's like, cool. That's they good. Are That's a reassuring. Class, yeah, they are a class act. Like, they told, you know, they told me that he would probably be up in the recovery room and I can go visit him at this time. It was, like, exactly that time that I was mm-hmm. able to go up. Oh, wow. Um, you know, I mean, they just ha- – it's a well-oiled machine. And the doctor was incredibly skilled. Um, so highly recommend. Our experience there was very good. I was very nervous about picking him up because – I was going to ask you, how did that work out? Because you did talk about it in the last podcast. <laughs> yeah, the last pod- I apologized to everyone for the last podcast because I was very nervous and also had two glasses of wine to not be nervous. And then we recorded my <laughs> podcast. I'm a little um, worried to go back and do the notes for that one because I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to listen to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, like, we, we talked about stuff. That's what you could say. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I was nervous to pick him up because like he just had spinal surgery and now I'm running through New York City with him in the car. And But it actually went so incredibly smoothly. Like, okay. yeah, they have it all set up, um, you know, that everything went very smoothly and we got home with no incidents. Good. Uh, so, and he's doing good. The first few days were definitely rough because, mm. you know, they go in through your throat and so talking and swallowing and even breathing um, is all very labored for those first Mm. few days. It's very rough. Um, But, you know, he really, he surprised me. I mean, he typically does not like, they gave him heavy duty painkillers, but they often make him feel nauseous, Mm -hmm. which is the same experience I have. So he took them once and was like, not doing that again. So, you know, he got through it with just a couple Advil and sort of, you know, some meditation and some visualization and, uh, you know, just kind of powering yeah. through. Yeah. Um, and now we're seven days later. He's doing much better. He's, you know, I mean, he can't lift anything and he's still wearing a neck brace and being very careful, but he's he's fine. He's totally, Good. yeah. Good. And he has to do like physical therapy stuff too and all that, right? Eventually, yeah. Yeah. So it's... um eight weeks, he has to kind of take it easy. And then it's, you know, so we have seven more weeks to go. And then at at that point, he starts physical therapy Mm. and he'll be doing that for two months. So they anticipate from start to finish, it's about four months of Mm. some sort of recovery and restriction. Um, And after that four month mark, they anticipate that he'll be, you know, back to normal or better than normal. But it's amazing because he's still, you know, he, he's still in pain. So he doesn't know if the pain he was having has gone away or not, but he also had pain down his arm into his fingers with numbness. 
Yeah. And that was gone immediately. Like when I went in uh, to see him that night, he was kind of like, I think you're going to like this. Oh, you know, that'd like. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. um, it seems like it worked. Good. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. Really so, but that's been a big, uh, you know, I mean, it, it takes a lot of, it's kind of all you think about, you know, for like yeah. uh, over the week before and then it happening and then getting them home and then recovery. It's kind of like a, you know. Right. It's a, it's kind of all you do for a few days. Sure. So, um, and while you're sort of on the other side, I mean, you still got a, a, a ways to go, but it's nice to know that that scary part, if you will, is kind of over. Yes. Now. And right. now he's, um, you know, he's totally taking it easy, but he, I gave him a basket of clothes to fold yesterday. So <laughs> he cannot, you know, he can do things, which is nice. Right. Yeah. He can contribute again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's nice. That's yeah. Good. So I'm glad that's all. All good. And um, yeah, so that was kind of what we did. I watched the last episode of Julia. And um, what else have we watched? I can't really think. We did watch something yesterday and I'm totally forgetting what it was, which is so weird. My memory is so not good. Oh, we watched The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Oh, how was that? It was fascinating. Okay. Because it's on my list. Okay. Yeah. Watch it. Um, okay. It's really, I mean, it's just fascinating. I didn't know that much about them. I mean, I clearly remember Tammy Faye as being a figure when I was a kid. We didn't, yeah. because my mother was very religious in a different way. There was none of that. None of those televangelists were ever um, on in our house. Oh, like they she were would, my, They were on my house. All right. So then you <laughs> will love it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because Norm recognized so much of it that I just, I was never exposed to. Mm -hmm. um, but boy, is it, it's fascinating. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, she and Jim were fascinating. The way that they got, I mean, people made donations like. Yeah. And it still happens today. <laughs> It is unbelievable. I'm like, how? What was the what was the televangelist that that, that the plumber found stuff in his wall, money in his wall, like Jimmy Ol Jane, uh, the Olson guy, whatever his name is. Um, oh, really, Joel Olson? Joel Olson, yeah. They, they had, he had a plumber who did some work and had to um, go through the wall to snake some <laughs> pipe and found money hidden in the wall, and it was his. And I'm like, oh my god, just so much money, just so much money. I feel like we should ask people to call in now. Like, yeah. We're a religious organization, right? <laughs> sort of. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, it's unbelievable to me. I mean, I've donated to some things that are a little kooky. You know, I mean, some things just rub you the right way and you're like, ah, I'm going to give you 10 bucks because you were entertaining. Yeah, but. But people gave like their life savings. Yeah. I, I, I was like speechless. I was speechless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so um, we're watching the, um, it's on Hulu, Under the Banner of Heaven. Okay. About about their Latter Day Saints slash Mormons, and and a, and a murder that occurs. It's based on a real story. Um, one of my favorite authors, John Krakauer, wrote it, um, which was kind of a departure for him. But he um, he got a lot of flack for it because the Mormon Church went after him and was like, no, no, this is true. But it was all true. Like basically, the whole like a whole family turns in and on itself and becomes fundamentalist in the Mormon church. And they kind of go way back to the very beginnings and origins of how the church was formed and the way they conducted themselves. And they were, you know, definitely not welcomed in the United States for a long time. And, you know, the, the main founder, which he partnered with other people um, as he kind of moved his movement along the, to the West. But um, 
they kind of harken back to some of these old traditions and things that happen and and there's a whole murder involved and there's a whole big thing and like the whole town that's like it's andrew garfield because okay. he's in the tammy faye thing too right yeah he's like the the detective he's also a mormon and he's having trouble believing that the people in his religion are doing these things and being becoming fundamentalists and kind of he can't reconcile it yeah and he's like Ooh, putting his kids good. through baptism yeah he's so good in it too and it's just it's really good i mean the whole story the book was really good and the so far the hulu is really interesting and good yeah, and yeah so <laughs> i uh eyes of tammy faye definitely recommends i mean it was fascinating yeah. it was and it was it. it was entertaining and yeah you know the clothes and the it was great the eyelashes um, the eyelashes <laughs> the makeup and the just the behavior and oh, all worth it um so that was fun and the other thing i watched was the um hall of fame induction for the juds which oh, had the me music yeah which had me bawling um, I didn't see it, but yeah, I, I figured it would be a sad one. It was a sad one. You know, it was just so emotional when the girls got up there to speak. And But I think how cathartic, right? Because when you have like a funeral, that's really for the people who were closest, the immediate family, to be able to process and to be gathered in a room with people who are, you know, sharing good memories and obviously respected this life that was lost and you know it feels good there's some closure there and some that their life was meaningful and there was value and right all of that stuff so to be able to do that the day after her death in an auditorium full of people I think must have been very healing I mean very hard but also incredibly healing in that moment to just have all of that um support and love pouring out for her all of those people it's gathered there to yeah, celebrate her life to yeah. celebrate her life and her life's work it just i was like oh that's it was kind of it really had me crying um yeah ashley judd and i don't you know i love women i don't want to shame anyone and she probably had been crying a lot but so I i'm not gonna, photos. yeah <laughs> i'm not gonna call her out personally however mm -hmm. is that so there is that look of plastic surgery, right? There's that look. Is that the look that they're going for? Or is that like a side effect that people don't want, but just happens to happen to some people? Like, so for every 10 people that get plastic surgery, does one of them turn out like that? And those are the ones that we notice. And the other nine, it looks great and we don't notice. Or does that always happen? Because if that always happens, why are people still doing that? That's not a good look. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think it's a combination of, um, to me, I think what is, is it's a combination of plastic surgery and fillers. Yeah. And like the Botox thing. Yeah. Right. Because some of it is like, you've got this like non-moving skin. So then there's no lines. So that's one aspect that kind of makes your face a little bloaty. And yeah. then fillers, and then you've got surgery that pulls everything back. That sort of, I don't know. I, I, and it's the same. Like there's, they all look certain right. look. Yeah. That the cheekbones go higher, and the eyes get weird. Yeah, I yeah. Agree and there's they do. Something... They look puffy. Yeah. You know, like, like sometimes when people take a, a medication that makes them retain water, you know, that yeah. look in people, and you're like, oh, okay, that's obviously from a medication. Yeah. This is like what permanent, permanent. <laughs> No, I agree with you. I, I've wondered that myself because like they must show you before and after before you're getting the surgery. So you must have a sense of what your face, how it's going to change. I would think but so. Right. And enough people have that look. 
yeah, in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, that why would you why would you risk it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because you know, don't mean to call her out, but she's beautiful. And now she has that look and it changed. I feel like it changes yeah. their It happened to future. Kenny Rogers. It oh my God, to... it happened to Kenny Rogers in, ooh, in the worst way. Yeah. And there was a few, like even didn't Barry Manilow recently get like, or has had done to, same thing. There's something I yeah. agree with. You. Either they're all with the same... her when she did it. Like, yeah. yeah Are they all going it's... the same surgeon or is it the same? <laughs> it's like highly recommended. Everybody can look the same. <laughs> I know. I agree with you. I, but yeah. I think it's an interesting thing. Like I would be afraid to get it. That's I what I would put in that look. Right. Like I, I think I would see all of those people and be like, no, that's why I wonder if that is like the rare exception. And we see them because, you know, it's so noticeable, but maybe, you know, for every one of those people, there's, you know, a hundred people who we don't even notice they had work done. We just say, wow, they look great. So mm-hmm. maybe you're like rolling the dice and hoping that you're, you don't get the look. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. I, I think, right, there's been enough evidence that it's happened repeatedly that it's got to be something that doesn't seem right. Yeah. Doesn't look comfortable. I'd no, like and to- I, you know, I want those like eye, eye lifts, you know what I mean? Like when your eye, your upper lid gets oh, yeah. low, I yeah. want to get mine lifted up, but I'm like, I don't want to look like I'm constantly surprised. <laughs> I know. Oh, I totally understand the appeal of it. Like I have these deep, you know, number 11 lines in between my eyebrows. And, you know, if money was no object, I could completely see being like, yeah, do something about them. Because I often look in the mirror and do this. I pull my eyebrows apart and I'm like, oh, so much better. That's so much better. (laughs) So... Sorry, coughing fit. I can see, um, like, I see the appeal 100%. But, uh, yeah, I think there's a fine line between, you know, making making a little bit of these shadowy lines and things a little softer to look a little younger and also getting the look. Yeah. No, I agree. <clears throat> I don't know. I'm losing my voice all of a sudden. Um, <clears throat> I'd agree. Yeah. I think I'm going to have to end it right here. I was going to say, maybe we should end it. What's going on? You need a little Botox in your vocal cords. Maybe. Yeah. Well, maybe instead of putting it in my esophagus, I could just leave it up the top. Like, why don't you stop right there? Don't even insert it. And maybe go up towards these 11s in my eyebrows. I got the cheek thing. I got that little. I know. know, And a little, I'm a little jowly now. Like, (sighs) I'm, I, I'm, you know, I, all I want is summer to come, except that I sure do love a scarf. I sure do love wearing a scarf. I wear a scarf from like October to May. So yeah. I just, I scarf it up, scarf up this whole area. You, you can wear the, um, I just got my kids those um, mock turtlenecks, the Dickies, because uh-huh. they needed it for a costume. Okay. I was going to say, why did you get your boys Dickies? Yeah. But, okay. they're, they're going to an anime conference in a couple of weeks and they needed something for the cover of their neck because of the, whatever. Okay. And I was like, I'll get you some Dickies. And they're just like, what the hell are you talking about? But they, they love them. And I'm like, maybe I should get one. Right. Just because I won't, I'll be hot in the neck, but not the rest of the body. I like it. I, I, under, <laughs> I am more and more understanding the appeal of a turtleneck. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That seems like a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. And they're really thin so that I don't, I think you can probably sweat through it and, no, right. and it would absorb the sweat. So uh, I'm down with the trend. 
I'm down for it. <laughs> hey, listen, if they can bring high waisted jeans back, we can bring Dickies back. Oh, the whole look, just full coverage. Just gonna go full. Well, they come coverage. in all these colors too. So, <laughs> all right, darling. Well, it was good catching up. Congratulations. Yeah. Hope you're still around. You don't leave us now that you're a successful <laughs> mogul. Yeah, not. I can't. No, there's not enough money there to do anything really with it. But it's enough. It's good. I'm not complaining. But I okay. wish it was the. 200,000 purse or 400,000. Yeah, that, that would have been cool, but yeah. All right. So I'll talk to you next week. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Bye. bye.